Hello everyone and welcome back to 2020 Psych. I'm one of your hosts, Claire Kay, and I'm joined today by my father. I'll go ahead and let him introduce himself. Hello, my name is Dr. Hernandez. I'm an American double board certified psychiatrist. Thank you guys for joining us at the top of this brand new year, 2023. Thank you for listening to our episode, our last episode, where we wrapped up 2022 and gave some of our predictions, our thoughts on this upcoming year. I want to start today, my dad and I were just talking about some fairly good news, or yeah, I would say good news. Um, I want my dad to explain it about what the folks are doing over at Yale. So as you know, there's a an opioid crisis in the United States and maybe in other parts of the world, I'm not exactly sure, but there's been a quite a bit of fentanyl that's been brought into the United States and it's caused quite a bit of a, of a death crisis. I can say that last year over 100,000 deaths were reported secondary to opioid overdoses. So there's some exciting uh, treatment and therapy that's going on coming out of Yale in which they're coming up with some innovative uh, ways into how to get patients into treatment from uh, that are suffering from uh, opioid addiction. And then you were also telling me at your hospital now they're able to screen for fentanyl as well. Can you talk about that? Yes, uh, it, the fentanyl crisis has become so widespread that for the first time this week in our hospital, fentanyl is now detectable in, in urine, uh, re- routine urine uh, drug screen. So that's kind of uh, interesting and in some ways um, exciting or good. That way we, we know with certainty uh, that the patients are testing positive for this really potent uh, uh, opioid. And I know this is an official thing, but you were also telling me that Governor Newsom is trying to advocate for those kits to be in schools or the Narcan kits? Yes, because the the crisis has reached such staggering proportions that a lot of the school kids uh, have been overdosing uh, on fentanyl and have been dying. So it's critical for the schools to have rescue kits, which are the, the Narcan, the, the Naloxone, to reverse the effects of, uh, uh, of the, these potent opiates. And why do you think kids have been dying from fentanyl? Because seemingly they must think they're taking something else, and that's how they're dying? Because I can't imagine why a kid would seek out fentanyl specifically. Well, some experts tell us that almost every illicit drug in the United States is laced with fentanyl. So many users are completely unaware that they're taking this uh, this potentially lethal and overdose uh, opiate. Oh, I don't know if we've ever talked about this before, but... Um... I think this was a big thing last year, and I would assume it's safe to say this year as well. Um, the like Snapchat um, drug industry that kids are able to buy drugs off of Snapchat, and 
that's how a lot of kids have died because they've bought drugs from strangers on Snapchat and their parents have come out and like advocated against regulation and or for regulation and that sort of thing. But I don't know if we've ever spoken about that. I don't think we've ever addressed that topic. There's so many things to talk about when it comes to drug abuse, drug addiction, a misuse of drugs. It's a crisis that, as we talked about in our last podcast, I think it calls for uh, identifying this as a public health crisis, as COVID is, and addressing the resources and attention that a crisis like this uh, uh, deserves. And I want to switch it over to, you know, more specifically, LA, if you've read anything uh, read up on anything that governor bass has talked about um in regards to how she's going to address the drug problem the homelessness problem oh and i'll i'll let us go into that and then i have something else too well mayor bass has made one of her top priorities addressing the homeless issue and we can only applaud her for looking into this um, grossly underserved uh, population. Uh, She and Mayor Adams from New York are addressing uh, this uh, population with all its special needs, and they're they're bringing national attention to a very significant number of... um, people that are in dire need of our help. They need our resources, they need our care, they need our attention, and it's just wonderful that they're they're actually doing this. I think it's a great thing. Now we were talking about New York and that new, is it a law or proposition of now they're going to um, hospitalize mentally ill people? Homeless, is that correct? That is true. Uh, they want to start hospitalizing the homeless, seriously mentally ill patients. And uh, we know that throughout the United States, uh, psychiatric services are already strained. And some critics say that this is going to add to the strain in, this, in New York City. However, I, th- I think the, the main point here is that services are needed. Whether or not we have the existing resources or not to address these needs, I don't think is relevant. What is relevant is that we're going to serve a very underserved uh, patient population, and the fact that, that they're drawing attention to this will maybe... At, more resources from the federal government or the state governments or even private agencies will start flowing to these um, to these programs that are going to start serving um, this uh, special uh, needs uh, population. Yeah, I agree. I think, um, like what you said, it may strain the hospitals, but that just means that there needs to be more resources allocated to them because just because they're not seeing a certain amount of patients in order to keep the strain down doesn't mean that those patients go away and don't exist anymore. 
They're just back out on the streets. And that's not good. And I think especially you can advocate for that because of the population, patient population that you see also. Um, you tend to treat home, the homeless. And so you know like firsthand that even though it can be a lot, it doesn't mean that those people don't deserve care. You're absolutely right. Because we, we have to... I, I just remember what Pope Francis once said, that what affects one individual in our society affects all of us. And that's true. Um, if there is a population that is grossly underserved, it's going to have an effect on the rest of us, whether we like it or not. So maybe we're only as strong as our weakest uh, uh members of our society. So we have to strengthen everybody. We have to bring medical, psychiatric attention to those that most need it. And that's going to be in the homeless ranks for sure. I want to talk about uh, something that you told me about a few weeks ago happening in L.A., street psychiatry. Can you tell us about that? Well, I'm hoping to actually take a tour with one of the psychiatrists in, uh, uh, that does street psychiatry, I was invited to uh, to join him in, in, um, in seeing his work, and I'm really looking forward to that. And I know that that's become a thing even in Boston. There's a, 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 a young, uh, wonderful psychiatrist by the name of Dr. Catherine Coe who is doing street psychiatry there, and... I think that this is great for for the the new generation of psychiatrists to come out to be out in the community and serving those where they need the help the most. So I applaud them. And I know you haven't gone on the tour yet, so you don't you don't know exactly. But so are they like seeing patients on the street? Are they prescribing medication? What exactly does that entail? Street psychiatry? Because I've seen documentaries or like YouTube videos of like police officers that their zone is Skid Row, for example, and they go out and they talk to such and such that lives on this corner and they like kind of become a part of the community. What would a street psychiatrist do? Well, the psychiatrist that I spoke to, the street psychiatrist that I've spoken to was Dr. Rapp, who, as far as I know, he's going out to the, to the streets and to the communities and seeing patients there. And I'm really impressed with him and his team as to how passionate they are about rendering care to our most vulnerable uh, patient population. So I applaud him and his team. Uh, There's a nurse that I know who's also a a part of that uh, team. So once I tour and I hope to be able to provide some specifics and and, uh, share those with our audience. So overall, I know we're only uh, 11 days into the new year. Would you say that there's some positives coming out of 2023 in the mental health scape that we can hope to see uh, continue to expand throughout the year? Well, your mother of all people was telling me that she checked into some data in regards to 988. And she says that in the six months that it's been around that there's been over 2 million calls. And we know from the pandemic 
that sometimes that what we learned was that those people that called in distress, they call when they call nine one one. Well, actually, when they call the National Suicide Hotline, that many of them said that just the fact that they were able to speak to somebody was a deterrent in harming themselves. So it's got to be a great thing that people are making use of this new avenue to seek help. Uh, so um, as you know, the the suicide rates are very high, and, and we're, we're going to talk a little bit about more in a minute about suicide, but if, if, uh, the, if this service can prevent that from happening, it's, it's just a, a blessing for, 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 for our society. Yeah, I think that's great. And when in regards to suicide, I'd be interested in hearing your thoughts or hearing, knowing, wondering if you know if suicide rates are declining, increasing. Is it still high in males versus females? Well, let's just talk about suicide in general. And as your mother also pointed out, it's not something that just affects the victim, the, the, the person who, who, who took their lives, but there's a, a trail of tears that gets left behind. And the survivors, the loved ones, the friends, the aunt, the uncle, the niece, the nephew, the neighbor, the best friend, um, everybody gets, a, a lot of folks get affected by this. And what we need to take away from this is that when someone is feeling depressed, lonely, where they feel hopeless, where they don't see a way out, they need to know, as their family and friends and loved ones do, is that there's help, there's a way out. Even though you feel lonely, like if there isn't any hope, there is hope, and you need to reach out. And 988 is the first step to take. You can reach out, you can talk to a um, there is help available. There are professionals that are dedicated to helping people feel better to prevent suicide from happening. And I think that's what we want to address here is that there is hope. And you need to, everybody needs to know that when they feel down and out and they feel that there's no point in living anymore, that there is help available, that people, there are professionals, healthcare professionals that are there that are available and willing to help you. So as lonely as you may feel, as hopeless as you are, just reach out. There is help available. You're not the only one. You're not the, there is help for you, even though you feel there is no help. Um, so that's what we really want to stress about this. Yeah, I even think now, like I see um, <laughs> ads, even when I'm watching a YouTube video for, there's like online websites online that you can go and sign up and talk to a therapist. Uh, I think it's called like better help or something. And their whole thing is that you don't have to travel anywhere. It's all remote, um, which I'm sure most therapists are like that now because of the pandemic. But yeah, I agree. I think there's a lot of uh, resources out there now and people are, are willing to talk and not, be not not to be ashamed about any overwhelming thoughts you might be having. I think that's a good message to send out. And we also want to address the 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 drug crisis that we're going through, which again, as we alluded to earlier, is a public health crisis. 
And like suicide, I think when people are, are in the depths of an addiction, that they don't see a way out. That That's why the suicide risk is so high, so much higher in patients that are suffering from a serious mental illness, such as depression or bipolar disorder. When they start using drugs, their their suicide risk goes up immensely with the use of one or two or three substances. What we also want to let our audience know is that help is available as well for addiction. Even though you feel there's not any help available, but there's many mutual aid groups, such as Families Anonymous, Alcohol Anonymous, and all the 12-step programs, help is available to you. And for the loved ones of some of those that suffer from addiction, you need to reach out because there is help that is there. You're not the only one. This has happened to so many uh, patients that they've, they've suffered from addictions. And there's treatment, there's great treatment that's available. But we just have to educate everyone that there is help, that there are resources, that there are professionals that are caring and want to help uh, and are willing to help, and the help is available. I think um, I think it's interesting in terms of addiction because, like you, like you said, it's a disease and there is help, but I'm wondering, so let's say I had an addiction and I, and I reached my breaking point of, oh, I don't want, I don't want to be addicted to this anymore, whether that's weed or something else. And I know that, where would I go if I'm a regular person? And when I go online, do I Google search? Like, what? I guess it might seem daunting to someone who has no idea where to turn, what exactly their next step is outside of knowing that they want to break free from this addiction. Well, you can start by calling 988. That's the first step. And they will provide you with resources to different organizations in your area that can help you, that that specialize in addiction. Uh, there's many agencies now that are doing this. The, the treatments for um, alcohol, for opiates, for cannabis, they're readily available. There are drugs that decrease the cravings. There's treatments. There's behavioral treatments. So you can start by calling 988. You can talk to your doctor when you see that you see him or her. Um, so the, if you reach out, you can start by 988. If you don't know, if you don't have anywhere else to turn to, you can start by dialing the, those three numbers, and they will they will make sure that you're in touch with somebody that can help you. Yeah, I think that's a great resource, 988, and I'm glad that they put it into effect last year and hopefully remains um, an active number. And yeah, I think everything you said today was a really good message. Um, I think there's a lot to look forward to in the new with this new year, and hopefully we'll start to see some good change for everyone that, you know, needs mental health services. Um, but with that, I want to thank you guys for listening to this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed. Let us know if there's anything that you have questions about or want us to talk more on. We're more than happy to cover any topic. But thank you so much for listening, and I hope you have a great day wherever you are.